Up next, the victim's horrific final moments are recorded. It was premeditated killing of another human being, and it was just a very descriptive video. For some killers, even murder is not enough. It's hard to watch another human being that's being tortured. Despite the violence, forensic clues are in short supply. It's a constant process of trying to think ahead and where the case may take us. But the killer's video ultimately provides justice for his victim. Him spending the rest of his life in jail, having to reflect daily on why he's there, will be the torture that he deserves. Over the last few decades, St. Petersburg, Florida has undergone a renaissance. Back in the day, it was basically God's waiting room. It was uh, older retirees. It has now grown. They're trying to mimic the bigger cities like Tampa. Away from the waterfront are modest, working-class neighborhoods. And from one of them, on the morning of December 21st, 2011, came a disturbing 911 call. 911, and then shortly thereafter, after the cries for help, you could hear uh, a banging on a door, almost as though a door was being broken down. Help! Please! Please! Help! Hello? 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 Then you heard two gunshots. Help! And after the two gunshots, you no longer heard the cries from Landy Martinez. It's rare that we'll get a phone call that actually captures the actual crime itself. So this was very unusual. Because the call came in from a cell phone and not a landline, the sheriff's office couldn't immediately pinpoint the location. But cell phones constantly beam signals to cell towers on the ground and to the dozens of GPS satellites orbiting the Earth. A normal signal will typically hit at least three of those satellites. A process called triangulation allows people on the ground to estimate a call's location. What they do is they give you a general area. It could be between one to two blocks of where uh, the call came from. It puts you in a position where you're, you're now having to go and knock on doors. If the 911 caller, Landy Martinez, was still alive, time was running short. As detectives canvassed the area, there was a bizarre development. They got another 911 call from out of state. The caller was worried about Landy Martinez. A roommate of Landy Martinez's, a young female who was in North Carolina, became concerned. They had security cameras at the location of the home that Landy Martinez was staying at. Those security cameras had been turned off. She was unable to reach him. So she became very concerned for his safety. Landy's roommate gave police his exact address. Law enforcement immediately converge on that area. The house had been ransacked. Items had been stuffed into bags and placed by the door. 
a large TV was lying on a pool table. Police went further into the house and followed a blood trail in a hallway. When they got to the front bedroom, they located a male deceased face down on the floor. This was Landy Martinez, dead at the scene, shot twice, once in the chest and an execution-style shot to the head. It was clear an awful lot of violence happened before the murder. We have overkill. Injuries which showed defensive-type injuries and injuries which also show a beating uh, that he took. And adhesive was on the ankles and that adhesive was on the wrist, which showed that he had been tied up, hog-tied with duct tape. Strips of duct tape were at the scene, often a rich source of evidence. Two shell casings from a 380 caliber were next to Landy's body, but the gun was gone. But the most chilling evidence was a cell phone, apparently stuffed under a mattress in the bedroom. It contained a 40-second video of a terrified Landy Martinez. We listened closely to that tape, and there was a lot of background noise. There was uh, the running water. Um, he was speaking in Spanish, so it was a little difficult to determine exactly what cries he was making, what, what he was saying. Robbery was clearly not the primary motive. Someone wanted Landy Martinez dead and wanted to make sure he suffered first. I've done a lot of cases. I don't think I've ever seen one so heinous, or at least one that we could look at, one that we could actually see, uh, one we could hear. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you compare quotes from multiple local pros, browse homeowner reviews, and even book a service instantly. Angie's been connecting people with skilled pros for nearly 30 years. So the next time you have a home project, bring it to Angie to get your job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Landy Martinez was just a child when he emigrated with his parents from Cuba to South Florida. After graduating from high school, he moved to St. Petersburg, where he rented a room from a married couple and took a job at an assisted living facility. He was the entertainment director. He had a passion for the elderly. The residents loved Landy. Landy loved the residents. The employees thought he was amazing. Um, he would just do a lot for all the residents and help out where he can, anywhere he can. Landy's friends and family couldn't fathom anyone wanting to kill him. I turned on the news and Landy was plastered all over the news and the murder. And I, would, I believe I screamed. I'm not quite sure. For detectives, Landy's 911 call held a vital clue. They want to kill me, hurry up, please! He says they, uh, and that really stood out because that's letting us know that this is not just one person who did this to him, that there's more than one person in that house. Landy's housemates had solid alibis for the time of the attack. People in the neighborhood reported seeing two unfamiliar young men the morning of the murder, but could provide little detail. 
Detectives now turn to the duct tape the killers used to bind Landy's legs and wrists. Duct tape is actually a cloth tape that's comprised of a polyethylene resin on one side and a rubber-based adhesive on the back side. The smooth side is an easier surface for us to try to obtain a print. The smooth side was processed using magnetic powder comprised of iron and pigment particles that adhere to finger oils. One fragment of the tape contained a partial print, but it was not enough for an identification. The victim was in the shower. With the shower being run, water on the victim, the tape got wet. Could that wash away a print? Most definitely. The sticky side of the tape was processed using a liquid form of magnetic powder. But again, no prints were found. The lab even processed several pieces of tape that had been stuck together by using liquid nitrogen, which is normally stored at more than 300 degrees below zero. Anything it touches freezes on contact. So what that does is actually freezes the adhesive powers of the tape and allows us to pull it apart for a very brief moment of time. Magnetic powder was applied to strips of separated tape, but this process also came up empty. This was a setback, but text messages sent from Landy's cell phone were providing more and more information. Those messages were sent shortly before the murder to a man named Jonathan Galatia. Landy had a new boyfriend by the name of Jonathan. We knew that they had been together for a couple of weeks, but we don't know whether or not this is a good relationship or bad relationship. In those text messages, Landy implied that he was breaking up with Jonathan and was reuniting with an old boyfriend named Jose Adame. Perhaps Jonathan was upset the way it had terminated and in a a heat of passion moment had decided to take the life of Landy. Obviously, a scorned lover is something to consider in a homicide investigation as possibly the perpetrator. Detectives located Jonathan at his home about an hour north of St. Petersburg. He told them that the day of Landy's murder, he returned home after working a midnight shift around 7.30 a.m. and didn't leave his apartment. His cell phone seemed to back him up. They were able to get uh, data from that cell phone and determined that the phone at the time of the crime was bouncing off a cell tower 60-some-odd miles outside of St. Petersburg. In our minds, that cleared him as our suspect. Jonathan told detectives a strange story. He said that Landy's text from the morning of the murder, messages in which Landy implied he was breaking up with Jonathan, directly contradicted a phone conversation the two men had the night before. In that call, Landy expressed his deep affection for Jonathan. And now he's seeing this text message saying that he wanted to go back with Jose. It's like, you know, after the conversation that we had last night, you know, where is this coming from? The one person who might know was Landy's ex-boyfriend, Jose Adame. Detectives needed to speak to him but no one had any idea where he was. Detectives investigating the murder of Landy Martinez were shocked by how much rage was directed toward the victim. 
in a development detectives had never before encountered what came to be known as the torture video, the one recovered from Landy's cell phone, appeared to have been recorded by one of his killers. It was obvious that someone was holding that phone up. He wasn't holding it. Someone was videotaping him and prodding him exactly what to say on that tape. He didn't place himself in that predicament. Someone else did. And he was trying to ask forgiveness for that person who was responsible for it. Amid the torture, it appears the killers tried to shove drain cleaner down Landy's throat. The Drano came from the kitchen underneath the sink way in the back. Unless you knew it was there, you would have no clue. The disconnection of the security cameras at the murder site was even further evidence the killers were familiar with the house. Landy had an ex-boyfriend who once lived there with him. His name was Jose Adame. The two met a few years before Landy's murder. Landy and Jose's relationship early on seemed sweet, you know, the happy little couple. At some point in time, they'd actually moved into the home where Mr. Martinez's body was found. They even purchased a car together. Then, about a month before the murder, the relationship soured. They were constantly arguing until finally Landy just decided that he could no longer deal with Jose and broke up with him. So what happened was Mr. Adame was very jealous, did not want to break off the relationship with Mr. Martinez. Landy expressed a fear of Jose Adame, and Landy's housemates, who once lived there with Jose, were so afraid of him they took action. They were all concerned about violent tendencies that Jose Adame exhibited. They were somewhat concerned for their safety, so they had actually put up some security cameras. Those were the very cameras disconnected on the morning of Landy's murder. And there was actual proof Jose Adame was angered by the breakup. He took off with the couple's car, which was registered to Landy. In an apparent act of revenge, Jose spent weeks running red lights that he knew were equipped with surveillance cameras. He would, out of spite, uh, run red lights. The cameras would pick him up running these red lights. Landy was legally obligated to pay what resulted in hundreds of dollars in fines. To get his car back, Landy created a ruse, telling Jose he wanted to rekindle their relationship. Jose returned to Florida and met Landy at a local restaurant. Waiting in the parking lot was a sheriff's deputy. The deputy explained that legally the car was Landy's and Landy drove off, leaving Jose abandoned, for lack of a better word, right there in the parking lot. He had no vehicle, minimal money, my understanding, and no place to go. Clearly, things had soured between the two, but to the point where it resulted in murder, especially one like this, more and more people who knew Jose told detectives they thought so. My first thought, I don't know if it's fortunate or unfortunately, went to Jose did it. I just know Jose did it, gut feeling. A background check on Jose did little to allay detectives' suspicions that he might be involved. Jose Adame, he had been involved in a break-in in a home and actually an assault on an individual in Pinellas County. But if Jose killed Landy Martinez, detectives would need more than mere suspicions that he was capable of this level of violence. With where we are today as a society, you know, juries want 
seven nuns, three videos, DNA, and 14 confessions. So the more evidence you have in any investigation, especially today, especially with how society is, you're much better off. When Jose Adame emerged as a possible suspect in the Landy Martinez murder, detectives needed to determine where he was on the morning that Landy was killed. We know that Jose's cell phone was already in the area at that time. We know that within an hour of that first phone call, that 911 call, that Jose's phone is now leaving the area and within 12 to 14 hours later, he's back in North Carolina. He was taken into custody at his mother's home in North Carolina. He said he couldn't be Landy's killer because he wasn't even in Florida the morning of the murder. But detectives had bad news for Jose. His cell phone put him in Landy's neighborhood on that morning. He didn't take the news well. When they asked him some questions about the killing itself, you could hear on the audio portion of that interview him actually throw up and get sick. Now's the time to tell the truth. Let's get this behind you. Who was with you in the house? Jose? Who was with you in the house? It's okay, get sick. I couldn't tell you how many times he vomited. A dozen would be a fair number. Upon hearing that Jose was a suspect in the murder, people told police they saw him in Florida with a teenager around the time of the murder. We were able to determine that the vehicle that Jose Adame was driving in St. Petersburg at the time of Landy's death was a black SUV belonging to his sister. The vehicle was located in North Carolina and processed by analysts there. Between the front seats, analysts said they found a roll of duct tape identical to the tape used to bind Landy Martinez. On the steering wheel was a small smear of blood DNA testing matched it to Landy Martinez. Landy Martinez had never been in that vehicle, so there would be no reason for Landy Martinez's blood to be in the vehicle unless it had been transferred from the person who was the perpetrator of this crime. Jose Adame was charged with first-degree murder. Investigators believed his accomplice was a 16-year-old relative but they were unable to bring charges against him. We had all types of circumstantial evidence, but we did not have any physical evidence to actually tie him to the crime scene. The evidence indicates this was no spur-of-the-moment murder. After driving to Landy's house from North Carolina, Jose and his relative disconnected the security cameras, then went inside and confronted Landy with a 380 caliber. Landy was defenseless. He had to comply as they bound him with duct tape, took him to the bathroom, and tortured him. In a further act of humiliation, they recorded Landy's terrifying final moments. Landy is pleading for his life in Spanish. It basically translated to, uh, everything is my fault. Jose is the best. Jose had nothing... Uh, to do with our breakup and our relationship. It's all me. 
It was obvious that he was being rehearsed. He was being coached to say those things in order that his life might perhaps be spared. As Jose and his relative ransacked the house, authorities believe Landy got free of the duct tape and made a break for it. He grabbed his cell phone, locked himself in the bedroom, and called 911. The killers broke down the door and killed him with two shots from the 380. Even veteran investigators were shocked by this crime. The pain, the suffering he caused of another human being, the pain, the suffering he caused of Landy's family and friends deserved him to be locked up for the rest of his life. In July of 2016, Jose Adame was convicted of first-degree murder and sentenced to life in prison without parole, all on the strength of evidence he created. His cell phone exposing his location, Landy's blood in his vehicle, the same type of duct tape in that vehicle and at the crime scene. Multiple indications that the killer was familiar with Landy's house, but what finally exposed him was a desire for revenge so strong that murder was simply not enough. Without the forensic evidence in this case, no one would have been uh, charged and or convicted uh, of the homicide of Landy. Jose Adame is a jealous, spiteful, young, immature individual. If he couldn't have Landy Martinez, no one was going to have Landy Martinez. And he wasn't going to only be happy with that, but he was going to humiliate and torture and eventually kill Landy Martinez. Landy Martinez. 